0: This podcast is brought to you by the Turquoise Trail Charter School, Santa Fe, New Mexico. Oh, you guys, it's tricky cuz as much mm-hmm. as like I want the kiddos to come in, I do I do I do. It's like, okay, trying to figure all this out and I'm hoping that it'll just become like second nature in some sense. But it's just oh. <laughs> First four weeks they're gonna be like, put your mask on, put your mask on, put your mask up, So on your nose, wipe down
1: the bathroom. <laughs> From Protect the Pack Productions at the Turquoise Trail Charter School in Santa Fe, New Mexico, my name is Chris Idy, and this is The Hypothesis. A show about what it's like behind closed doors making decisions about whether or not to open up school in the middle of a global pandemic. It's Tuesday, October 20th. Big day for us here at Turquoise Trail because for the past at least six weeks, we have been trying to figure out how to get kids in hybrid learning back into our school amid shifting guidelines uh, that would otherwise ensure that our building and our health and safety procedures otherwise are safe for such an endeavor. And today is day one. I'm actually recording this uh, at 7.14 a.m. And in about 15 minutes, our kids are going to start arriving. Also today, at 1 o'clock, we believe that the governor is going to speak. And given the fact that the cases are up across the state and all of the numbers are up across the state, we expect that she may actually shut schools down. So, today might be the first and only day of kindergarten. We may be allowed to carry out the week, so we might have three days of kindergarten. Today, Thursday, and Friday. Uh, Or we may be able to continue beyond that. If we're able to continue beyond that, then November 5th would be the first day for pre-K. But today we're going to go back into the summer a little bit because the public education department had asked us back in August to submit plans for our academic model to ensure that we were thinking about hybrid learning, virtual learning, the potential of an all-in-person model and what that could look like. We submitted our plans, they were approved, and some of the officials at the PED actually described our plan as innovative. We were excited by it. Then came the confluence of public education and public health as we approached Labor Day. And just a, just a day and a half, I believe it was, before the Labor Day weekend, all schools were given a toolkit that included a page that we needed to sign off on, that included a number of public health measures that we've we said our school would be able to uphold. Most all of them were straightforward and things that we had planned for, things that were included in the CDC guidance that a number of us were using as our primary guideposts for uh, for whether our schools were ready. But one thing, for example, that was included near the end of that sheet was the assurance that all of our air filters and our HVAC systems were situated with MERV 13 level filters. Oh, I can speak for a lot of school leaders around the state, we didn't know what MERV ratings were. So this seemed probably well engineered by the state, but also at the same time confusing to us and quite last minute. So we did some uh, investigating and found that our filters were HEPA filters, which are very high grade filters, but we didn't know whether they met the MERV 13 guidelines. So we were faced with a dilemma. Do you sign off on this knowing that your filters may or may not be Merv 13? And for other school leaders around the state, they had swamp coolers. So they didn't know how those systems all fit into this. But do you sign off and say, no, we're fine, and be willing to be in violation of the guidelines if it means going along with the plan to open up after Labor Day, which a lot of schools were planning to do? Or do you call it off and do your good work to make sure that your school is up to all of the standards that the state has outlined. Well, if you were willing to be in violation of just this one air filtration guideline, you may have otherwise been okay because guidelines themselves are, you know, not punishable by law, we will say. But then came the insurance authority the insurance authority then sent out a document that said, effectively, if your school opens and something happens that would otherwise merit an insurance claim and you are found to have been operating outside of the guidelines, you may not be able to actually submit and claim uh, your insurance claim. So if you don't have MERV 13 filters in your school... And something happens at your school, a student or an adult comes down with a case uh, of the coronavirus or COVID-19, then you might not be covered. So that puts everybody in a very last minute challenging bind. Now today, we're going to look at the systems level and how it interacted with our particular school and our particular plans. Spoiler alert, I didn't handle it so well, but let's go back. Back in late August, after our plan was approved, we learned that there was probably a very good likelihood that despite our plans being approved, the governor was going to tell us that schools would not be allowed to open. It was just going to be too dangerous. And I did not receive that news well because I knew that our school was set up to serve kids, especially kids in grades pre-K through third grade, where it is so critical to have them socialize with one another, socialize with adults who are positive influences on them, learn how to read by third grade, which is one of the most critical measures in all, all of education, that we're set up to do this. We've been working hard to do this. We got approved to do this and to not be able to do it somehow felt like an abdication. It somehow felt like we were being denied the very thing that we were set up to do. So I called a friend to ask for some advice, and he heard me all the way out, heard my frustrations, but then told me that I sounded a little bit like Mike Pence.
0: When you called me, Chris, like just to go to, that, to this point.
1: This is Christopher Ruskowski, who served as the secretary of public education here in New Mexico, previous to this current administration.
0: You know, I thought there was a little bit of dogma coming from you, Right. Like there was a dogmatic nature about what you were saying. And I think what I was cautioning against was falling into those um, false dichotomies and into that sort of dogma, those dogmatic traps.
1: To give some detail here regarding what the secretary is talking about. I believed in that moment that the decision was between keeping everyone home and therefore doing our complete part to keep families who would otherwise interact in our school community as safe as possible, or bring kids back in grades pre K through three in a way that we believed was safe, that would give them the best chance of being able to read by third grade. And if you are not aware of this very dire fact, it is known that prisons use third grade reading levels to forecast how many beds they need to have in the future. So do we risk our kids not being able to read by third grade? Or do we risk the potential of someone coming to our school, getting sick, and bringing it home to their grandparents? It's a terrible choice to have to make. I also called Matt Paul, a good friend and the executive director of Public Charter Schools New Mexico, Matt has a really interesting look at all of this because he used to be the policy director for the state public education department, and now he works with charter schools all over the state, and he's always able to sort of talk me off of a ledge.
2: And so they asked you for your academic plans, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. Um, But it it, it wasn't necessarily clear. I think to to your point, you had noted that you were looking at the CDC guidance to explain how you were going to do your academic plan and then, um, which I think was right, and I think a lot of people kind of brought that into to the, those plans, then we get the toolkit um right before Labor Day weekend, and that had like public health stuff in there. Right. Um, right. right. <laughs> you know, how do you open or close a school? with it with these public health considerations in mind and mind you you know just that tuesday afterwards people could potentially open up schools so it kind of caused i think most people were had a had a sense for you know what they needed to do um the the health the public health order had been in in um in for a while. Um, and so, you know, we kind of had a sense for how to operationalize it, but it had a few surprises in there that were, were pretty tough for folks. Um, I think, so, so I say that just because I think there are two things there and I think it kind of splits them up in that same, that same way. One, which is much more flexible for our school leaders and is, was exemplified by the fact that I think everybody's, you know, um, summer plan for academics was approved. Right. Maybe you needed to do some, some extra. And, and now here we are in October and people are still trying to figure out the public health elements of the toolkit that was submitted later.
1: So we are struggling as a school at this point to balance public education and public health, but it's also really challenging to think about how you should or would do it if you were making moves at a state level.
2: And I think as we think about that, just from the state perspective and trying to create guidelines that's going to work for every school district or charter school from Hobbs to Farmington to Silver City to Santa Fe, I I think there are a lot of challenges in there.
1: And if we at our school have it figured out for our own school, how are we supposed to think about the decisions that the state is making? And the state itself knows this. So... If you're the one making the decisions, how should you approach this? Again, former Secretary Christopher Ruskowski.
0: When you make your decision, what the 89 districts need and what the 90 plus charters need is actually a level of decisiveness and path dependency um, and, and not feeling like the rules or the decision could change next week.
1: So the question I'm left with as a school leader is how much of this could have been settled up front? How much of this could we have actually prepared for knowing that there was a decent likelihood that much of this year would be done again virtually? And how much of this is just owed to the complexity of doing policy work at a state level when so much is handled locally? So there is a lot to think about and at times it's confusing enough to where somebody like me, a lifelong Democrat and independent, can sound a little bit like Republican Vice President Mike Pence. Next week on The Hypothesis. What happened this week with kindergarten? And how did we get here? You'll meet some of our kindergarten teachers and hear about how they thought about coming back to school in a hybrid model as COVID rates continue to rise again in our state. Special thanks this week to Matt Paul and Christopher Ruskowski. Stay safe, everybody. Stay in touch. We'll see you yeah. next week.